I'm Katie Massad, and this is Flute Unscripted, candid conversations with musicians, makers, and masters. I sit down with a new artist every week and share their uncensored stories with you. You're listening to Season 1, brought to you by Flute Center of New York, the exclusive marketplace for flutes. Join us and subscribe. And please stay tuned to the end of the episode for a special Flute Center of New York code for our podcast listeners. soloist and chamber musician Stefan Huskoldsen was most recently appointed as principal flute of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra in 2015. We here in New York got to know him best for his stellar performances as principal flute with the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra from 2008 to 2015. He got his start in Iceland, studied in England, and thereafter started working at the Flute Center of New York, where he was able to network and build an orchestral career. A flutist's flutist, Stefan has a characteristically beautiful sound and has established himself as a revered soloist and in-demand teacher. All right, we're joined today by Stefan Haskeldsen and uh, my guest, Julian Rose, uh, also speaking with us. Thank you so much for talking. Thank you. To start off kind of at your, your youth and the start of your flute playing, um, you talk a little bit about your father and how he's been really influential in your growth as a musician, mm-hmm. did, did he introduce you to music? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I grew up in a very musical household. He was, he played the piano and the accordion, um, and he was also organist in the church. His, he mm-hmm. was, um, he owned a furniture business. Uh, that was kind of his main job, but he went, was a musician on the side and always played music at home. And uh, we had a very eclectic uh, collection of records from, uh, you know, anything from Maria Callas to, um, you know, Marta Argerich and uh, a really uh, an extremely musical um, upbringing. How about jazz? And jazz, yeah. yes, to, you know, um, uh, a lot of jazz and improvising. Mm-hmm. My father my father actually played in a jazz band in the 50s and uh, they were, um, he was, he was, um, uh, a great improviser and uh, I was always so fascinated by that as a child he could just sit down and play and improvise and uh, <clears throat> do you dabble with improvisation yourself I have yes yeah yeah and uh, <laughs> what, are, what are your feelings on it <laughs> I think it's an essential essential tool for every single musician to improvise I think it's um, um it brings you closer to your instrument. It brings you in touch with your musical core. You know, it, um, it, it even, I think it, it creates this 
don't know how to say it. It, it, it brings about your inner creativity. It brings it out. I actually remember I took a lesson with you once mm -hmm. um, here in New York and and I played Mozart for you and I think mm -hmm. one of my big takeaways was you told me to improvise in the style of Mozart mm -hmm. a little bit more before playing just to get in the style mm -hmm. of it and that was really helpful for me so I, I get what you're talking about it's not so much jazz in terms of the harmonies and the functions it's just yeah. making music and being free and yeah. and being in the style of something and yeah and I mean jazz is a category in itself and it right. you know, takes there's harmonic all the harmonies and all the you know tunes and everything that you learn as a jazz musician mm -hmm. that that I, I'm not fluent in but you see we can get closer to music by improvising on it you know mm -hmm. like one of the biggest lessons I had was like to, to really do that and to practice like that to practice in the style of Prokofiev or practice in the style of Schubert or practice in the style of you know just to kind of enter <clears throat> the world or the, the kind of feeling of the composer. Sure. Mr. Huskoldson draws from his musical background and his own research to develop his teaching style. Stefan is also greatly influenced by his teachers. He attended the Reykjavik School of Music in Iceland where he studied with Bernard Wilkinson. Following his graduation, Stefan attended the Royal Northern College of Music in Manchester, England, where he studied with Peter Lloyd. I studied with Bernard from the age of nine until 20, for 11 years. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> And then I went to Manchester to study with Peter Lloyd at the Royal Northern College. And how did his teaching influence your playing? Greatly. He was a very, very um, refined musician refined flute player of the, the sort of finest French tradition and um, <clears throat> he you know um, basically opened up a, a different kind of world a much much lighter um, easeful way of playing uh, much more fluid very um, especially with articulation um, he really changed my, my way of articulating. Does he have uh, specific vowels that he... Yeah, yeah, very, a lot more forward, mm -hmm. a lot more open. And, uh, you know, he really believed in, in the, you know, the kind of vocal quality and, you know, keeping an open, um, uh, what do you call it? Oral cavity. cavity. Yeah, yeah, here, in the face. So that that was a big, you know, a big thing. I just played, you know, we played etudes and scales for one year, basically. <laughs> <laughs> that but he fun. was great. He didn't. He never played in, in lessons, huh. Peter. He had stopped playing. Actually, he was uh, very uh, had bad asthma, so he had to stop playing. And he never demonstrated anything. It was very funny. Oh. I never ever heard him play in my lessons. He just explain things. Do you think that's kind of influenced how you teach? Do you do you think that yeah. it's as important to play for your students and give them an example or do you want them to find it on their own? I think <clears throat> it's a delicate balance. I think that it's very important to, to not play for, you know, a bit. I've, to explain things, to really explain things and have people 
listen to themselves and how things can change when you change certain things. You know, you change something, you open up, you use their support and you have to hear it because they have to, students have to have the experience of the change. Otherwise, you know, just from hearing me play it, it's, you know, they think, oh, you're principal of the Chicago Symphony or you're so great or whatever. No, it's just, it's tech, it's, it's skills. It's about doing something correctly, you know, doing something, playing the flute in a way that is correct. And that makes sense and that makes, you know, it's like cooking, you know. <laughs> You have there's, to learn. There's a recipe, the and there's all the ingredients. Yes, and you have to, and you have to learn the balance of balancing flavors, right? Mm-hmm. You're not gonna want to eat something that's you know too spicy, too salty, too you know. That's basically what it is. So, talking about teaching and, and launching from um, your studies to now your um, beginning a career in teaching, recently appointed to. Uh, professor at DePaul University. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on um, whether you feel this part of your career is a, a new part of your career or if it's an extension of the last 20 years of performing with uh, various orchestras. How do you feel teaching fits into what uh, what you what your life has been so far? I think it's in a, now it's just like a huge, hugely important part of my life now. Um, a very, very um, let's say exciting part of my life because I, I feel like you know I've had a lot of experiences I've, I've had a lot of you know I've thought a lot about of you know what I'm doing I've practiced an awful lot I've you know played at the Met I've played many auditions and I've, I feel like I have you know now I think things are the, my ideas are starting to crystallize and like all the the stuff that I learned is starting to crystallize and I've feel like now I can, I really feel very strongly about, uh, you know, teaching. And it's a very, very natural, um, a natural um, progression of what I have been doing over the last, you know. So after, to to backtrack a little, um, after England, so then you come to New York, Mm -hmm. um, you you start playing here, Introducing yourself to flutists in the city, mm-hmm. I'm kind of getting used to the dynamic here, and mm-hmm. you come to the Flute Center. Can you talk a little bit about your role at the Flute Center of New York? Yeah, I heard about the Flute Center of New York. I heard about Phil Unger because I had to have work done on my flute. So I found the Flute Center, which was located across the street from the Lincoln Center. And I walked in and, and I met Phil, who was the most warm, open friendly person um, I had met in New York <laughs> or in, in, in um, yeah and he, he basically uh, introduced himself and, and um, we he um, fixed my instrument and I he had also had an eclectic collection of flutes he had a Louis Lott flute on his table and I was like wait a minute is that a real Louis Lott and he said yes this is and I picked it up and I played it and I wow this this is an incredible instrument. Had you had a lot of experience with those vintage flutes prior? I had, yeah. My teachers played on them, so Peter Lloyd, Wissam, they all played on 
old old flutes. I mean, they had been retuned and somewhat changed, but I was always inspired by that sound and how they got these colors. And uh, and Wissam actually was kind of a he played for me a lot in lessons, and that was also good because he he got that incredible warm rich magic sound um that was just so inspiring to hear um the pianissimos he could play was were were out of this world and i i couldn't i couldn't get it on my flute for some reason i couldn't <laughs> find that that kind of sound that filled the room but was so soft and luminous so i picked up that flute and i found that sound and uh, and I I started playing it and I bought it from Phil that's how our friendship started <laughs> <laughs> and did you play on that Louis Lot still in public performances I did I, I played on it and I um, I had I played on it. it was actually in original condition it was 1886 uh, built in 1886 so it was not retuned. It had not been changed. So I played on it. It was very different. It was kind of hard because it's a different scale, different embouchure, very small embouchure, very... The sound was so beautiful, but it was small. You know what I mean? So I um, I learned a lot from, from playing it about colors and about how you have to relax your face and your body when you play. So you know, that, that instrument had a, had a big, it was like a teacher for me almost. In a goal-oriented industry where some musicians push their way to the top only to be faced with mounting pressure and expectations, Stefan has mastered effortless ease with his outlook on flute playing. After reaching success at the Met and in Chicago, Mr. Huskoldson continues to live in the present and handles a growing career by letting go of expectations. You're playing with the Met, and you make the the leap up, winning the audition for Principal. What is that transition like for you? That's not as common of a transition for lots of flutists if you have a second mm-hmm. flute position to move up to Principal. Mm-hmm. Um, did you notice a a shift in your own dynamic within the section, within the orchestra? Did you feel like you had to change your playing at all? Or did you feel like you were just you, and it was a, a natural progression? Well, first of all, I... <clears throat> I never really anticipated that I would become the next principal. You know, I. That was a Why is that? I'm curious. And and well, you know, you never know in this life. You see. I. I of course. Always loved playing principal, flute. I love to be. Expressive and be in that chair where I'm. You know, being heard and stuff like that. But I was extremely happy also being second flute. Do you have that attitude about auditioning too? Where you go to an audition and you just... You're going to play your best and you have no expectations? Do you think expectations kind of... Expectations expectation will kill your um, route. It'll just put an end to it. Expectation is the worst thing. You can't... (laughs) People cannot expect anything. You can only be in the moment, in the present moment. 
and that was a big discovery for me. Um, I was very fortunate also around the time in 2003, 2004 here in New York to come across um, uh, a, a person that helped me. Um, she was a healthy yoga teacher um, and she was a great friend of mine. And she brought me to understand more about life and philosophy and especially uh, yogic philosophy. Mm -hmm. I'm a yoga teacher too. Yes. Yeah. So I understand. I was very. It's very influential in yeah, playing. It's great, and mm -hmm. it was the greatest thing for me because I started to understand, you know, that, and and she 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 worked she walked me through um, a, a kind of a visualization process before the audition. To have, first of all, to wish people well. To be a well wisher, to be. Um, to, you know, visualize all the people in the world, all the flutists in the world that are so successful and so great and so have reached such a high standard and wish them well. Have good feelings to them and be happy for them. And also, second, to be grateful for what you have already. A roof over our heads, you know, food to eat, nice clothes, you know, great society, friends, family. You know... And these things kind of, um, these they really helped me focus. Because before that, I had really had this, uh, you know, ambition, like to, um, crazy ambition to like become this soloist and like, you know, and I wasn't getting where I'm, I wasn't getting where I wanted to be. I took many, I went to many competitions and I didn't get past the first round. I went to <laughs> this and that and this and that. And I always got... You know, because I had, I showed up with this, you know, here I am, you know, and I'm going to get this, you know, but that's not how it works. That's not how it works. And uh, this philosophy really helped me. And lo and behold, I won the job. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting to hear you frame it that way, because I met you five years ago or so. Mm -hmm. I've always considered you among the most humble people I've ever met. I never you know, a sense of ego, though I think you have very good reason to have an ego. Your level of playing is incredible. But um, I'd love to hear you talk about um, that humility and particularly as it pertains to the solo career that's developing now. Um, do you feel like you're on the precipice of a larger solo career? Are things moving in a direction for you since the CD release, since winning Chicago? Are, are you busier in the solo context now? Um, well, I'm getting, of course, you know, since I have progressed and gotten where I am right now, um, the natural progression is that people are noticing me and uh, organizations such as the Flute, National Flute Association, and, uh, you know, the Flute world has, you know, noticed and I'm getting more and more things to do and uh, I, d I don't know if I'm gonna have a solo career per se just as a self-sustaining solo career I I don't know I love that this what we just talked about yeah. you're tying back into this um, lack of expectation that you have you know I think um, it, it just shows how beautiful it is that uh, that you can achieve this level of success and still have no expectation 
Yeah, no, I, I just have learned that I can't take anything for granted. You see, I'm very happy where I am right now. I'm, I'm in this moment. You see, I cannot, I just cannot anticipate what the future will hold. I know, I know that, you know, people have taken interest in what I have to offer and, uh, you know, want to hear me play. And I'm extremely grateful for that. And you say, if that's going to, if that's going to continue and, and snowball, I'll be very happy. But, you know, in the meantime, I just want to get better at what I do. I just want to reach a, um, you know, I want to go deeper into what I do. I want to, you know, understand more and explain more and help people. You know, that's really what I want to do. And help people achieve this, you know, understanding that I have, I'm getting, I'm, I'm starting to understand. There are... Um obviously a lot of people holding principal chairs uh, from outside of the U.S. that never decide to take the leap to become an American citizen. Mm. Was there a particular reason that you decided to take that jump as opposed to just, you know, staying a, mem- staying a citizen of, of Iceland? Well, I, you know, as I said, I am very honored to be an American citizen. I think it's like I have considered myself half American, half Icelandic. I mean, I have... It's, it's not a part of my identity, so to speak. I don't think about myself as being particularly American or Icelandic. Uh, you know, this is all... Do you think that just, type of categorizing yeah, and flute playing is no. kind of a moot point, right? Yeah. Nowadays. I mean, I, we used to do that. We'd say, oh, the great French flutist, the great yeah, no. American flutist. Not so much Now anymore. it's just globalization. Yeah. Now it's global. I couldn't... I'm a global flutist. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know. So after your release of um, your first CD, Solitude... Um, you were performing that repertoire often. Uh, what was your practice regimen like leading up to the recording and release of the CD? And do you feel more connected to those works now, or do you think you need some distance from them uh, after spending so much intensive time on them? Um, I love the works that I've recorded. I spend a lot of time practicing them. The practice regimen before the recording was very, very different. I felt like I had to really go deep into the pieces understand them I mean, that should be the case in any case i mean but you see you when you do a recording you are creating something that will be there forever you know it's gonna go out there and it's gonna remain there and that's kind of scary sure and i you know i almost didn't realize it until after i had made the recording <laughs> but you know i've i felt like i really as, I, as you said, I feel like I understand these pieces more and more. I feel like listening to the recording, there are so many, many things I do differently. There are so many things I would do differently. It's not that I don't like it. I, I like it. But, you see, I understand the pieces so much better now. You're yeah. continuing to develop yeah. the, your opinions and yeah. thoughts on the pieces. And I would, I would want to record them again and do them completely differently. You know, so, but that's just the way it is. This is the way with, with art. You know, we live in an artistic world. We constantly changing. We're constantly evolving. We, we, you know, ideas, our ideas are always developing, you know. And that's one of the beauties of um, recorded music versus live performances is, you know, you take your recording and that's your take and, mm-hmm. you know, all of your ideas are kind of codified into that one recording. Mm-hmm. But then you can perform the same piece ten times and play it ten different ways. Yeah, that's it. And I know, I recorded that CD in 2013. 
And that's just who I was in 2013. That's just who I was. I'm very different now. Very, very different. And I can hear it in my playing. I hear it. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> but it's amazing, you know. I, I can't be frustrated at that. I, uh, but, you know, sometimes it's frustrating. <laughs> you know, why couldn't I have done it differently? You know, this thing is out there for the whole world, for the rest of eternity. <laughs> Then it's yeah. time for another CD. Yeah, you just do another CD. Are you in the in the works for recording anything new? <clears throat> foreseeable future. I haven't made any plans, but yeah. I do. It's definitely on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again for thank you for thank taking you. the time and talking. Thank with you us. guys. Thank you very much. You can hear the 2013 version of Stefan on his album Solitude. And you can listen to the 2018 version at any Chicago Symphony Orchestra performance. We eagerly await the recording and release of a future album where Mr. Huskoldson says he is undecided on repertoire but is interested in newly commissioned works. Composers, get to work on writing something fantastic. Thank you, Stefan Huskoldson. This episode's music featured Schubert's introduction and variations. This has been an episode of Flute Unscripted. This podcast is sponsored by the Flute Center of New York. Visit their website at flutesforsale.com for the largest selection of new and pre-owned instruments. Use this season's promo code LISTEN for a special deal of $50 off any purchase of $4.99 or more. You can follow the Flute Center on Instagram and like them on Facebook to stay up to date on the latest events and masterclasses. Special thanks to our owner, Phil Unger, the Flute Center team, and Stefan Huskoldsen for our theme music. 